Alleluia, Christ is risen, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are again, Easter 2, our second Sunday of Eastertide, commonly called Low Sunday, because everyone showed up last week and now everyone's in bed today. And that is the Sunday, this is the Sunday, when we hear about Doubting Thomas. Year after year, he gets his own Low Sunday. And I feel sorry for this poor guy. Year after year on Low Sunday, we hear his story and we just love to beat him up because he doesn't believe his friends when they tell him that they have seen the Lord. We judge him from the distance of 2,000 years, calling him doubting for millennia. We wonder why he was so stubborn. But here's the thing. Thomas didn't want anything different from what his friends wanted. When Mary Magdalene told them that she had seen Jesus resurrected at the tomb, the disciples did not believe her. They needed to see him for themselves. And then remember that they are hiding upstairs behind a locked door on Resurrection Sunday, only hours after the empty tomb. But when Jesus shows up, None of the disciples leap up exclaiming, Jesus, it's you, thank goodness. Instead, Jesus has to show them his hands and his side. He has got to wish them peace before they recognize him. So the disciples don't have a lot of room to criticize Thomas, especially since even after they saw the resurrected Jesus on Easter evening, they apparently returned to the locked upper room, still scared, because that's where they are when Jesus returns a whole week later to show Thomas his wounds, to deliver his peace to them again. And when Thomas sees Jesus, he confesses, my Lord and my God. Now this is one of the strongest proclamations of faith in all the Gospels. Thomas not only calls Jesus Lord, which just means leader or ruler, but he also confesses Jesus as God. And he doesn't just say that Jesus is the Lord or the God, he says my, my Lord and my God. This is personal and relational. It's not abstract or intellectual. So, I'm not sure why we call Thomas the doubter. He doesn't seem to deserve that moniker. But that tells me that though we love Thomas because he allows us to feel better about our own belief and doubts, this story, it's not really about Thomas and the other disciples. Rather, I think this tale tells us about the risen Lord. It tells us about who our God is and what our God is willing to go to so that we might believe. I mean, imagine it. 
The disciples are gathered in fear. They're anxious. They're afraid that the religious leaders are coming for them next. They're afraid that the Romans are going to put them on the cross this time. They are anxious about what's in store for them. They've given up their livelihoods, their families, everything. They've followed Jesus, and now they have no idea what they're supposed to do next. Jesus enters into this room filled with anxious, frightened disciples. And Jesus says, peace, peace be with you. Peace is one way we know the risen Lord. And then think about how angry the disciples were furious with their oppressors, the Romans, for executing their beloved Jesus, furious at the religious leaders for colluding with the Romans. And frankly, they must have been angry and suspicious even of one another. They were ashamed of their own behavior, having deserted Jesus, having deserted each other at the hardest time. Can you imagine the gossip that was happening, the jockeying for position among them as each disciple tried to justify his or her own behavior, blaming others for being more cowardly than them? At least I'm not Peter. They would have been furious at Judas, fed up with that Peter, the Peter who had denied Jesus three times, but who now is back and acting like he's in charge again. And frankly, disciples, they must have feared God's judgment, God's punishment for their failures. When they hear from Mary that Jesus is raised, they may have been delighted, but they were also probably worried. How angry how disappointed would their friend Jesus be with them? And into this room of anger and suspicion and fear, Jesus comes to offer forgiveness. He tells the disciples that they have the power to forgive too. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Forgiveness is one way we know the risen Lord. And finally, when he enters that locked room filled with frightened disciples, Jesus does an amazing thing. He shows his disciples his hands and his side. The resurrected Lord still bears the wounds of crucifixion. God is vulnerable. And it is by those wounds that the disciples, those vulnerable, wounded disciples, recognize Jesus. He shows them his hands and his side, and only then do the disciples rejoice when they see the Lord. After that, Jesus tells this ragtag group the most amazing news. They are to go out and to continue his work. They are no longer disciples, ones who follow. They are now apostles, ones who are sent. Jesus entrusts this group, this anxious and frightened, angry and vulnerable group, these men and women who let him down, who scattered in the face of violence and failure, he is entrusting them 
to fulfill his work of preaching and teaching, loving and welcoming, feeding and healing. So this passage tells us what we can expect from our resurrected Lord. Peace, forgiveness, vulnerability, being sent out. But just as the disciples, just as Thomas had trouble recognizing Jesus until he revealed himself by offering peace and forgiveness, by showing his wounds, by giving away his mission to his followers, we too often struggle to see, to recognize Jesus, God at work in our lives. Often we want a sign from God or we try to make bargains with God as Thomas does. We delight when we see God at work in our lives, but so often God seems silent, hard to hear, absent. But I think this story of Jesus appearing to his disciples reveals how we can see Jesus in our own lives. When we feel at peace, when we feel at peace, not when everything is perfect, but rather even in the midst of trouble, the midst of anxiety, we might know peace. We might know that all shall, will be well. And that is how we know Jesus, by the peace that passes all understanding. And when we've been hurt, hurt so terribly we can't imagine recovering, there might come a time when our heart breaks and softens and opens up just a little bit, allowing us to forgive. Or perhaps we're the ones who need forgiveness. Jesus is there in the forgiveness. We know Jesus, too, in our soft, vulnerable, wounded places where we are all too human, where we fail, where we see and know our weaknesses, and yet, despite all of that, when we take the risk to reach out, to be sent to continue the work of Jesus as we try to love the one who is different from us, welcome the stranger, offer another food, comfort the one who is hurting, when we allow our vulnerable, hurting selves to be transformed into Christ's hands and hearts so that we might offer his love, well, Jesus is there. Peace, forgiveness, vulnerability, being sent out. That's what I think this passage is about. Those are the qualities of our risen Lord. That's how we know Jesus in our own lives. And only through peace and forgiveness and our own vulnerability can we show Jesus to the world. That's how we proclaim like Thomas my Lord and my God.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.